Welcome to Evangel Church, where we believe in seeing changed lives changing lives. Great day to be a part of Evangel Church. We are jumping into a brand new series of messages today, and the title of this series is, say it with me, You Asked For It. You Asked For It. We're starting a brand new series, I don't think we've ever done this before, where we are going to be tackling questions that have come up from the body, things that some of you have been struggling with, wrestling with, wondering, why don't I hear about that in church? How do I address this? How do I work through this struggle? There are issues that are sensitive and, and difficult and challenging, and I'm so thankful for many of you. You've reached out. You've sent in questions over the last several weeks. I've come together with our pastoral team, and uh, we've been praying over those, and over over the next four weeks, you're going to be hearing messages connected to those questions that have come forward from you. And uh, these are some great ones that I know not just a few people are thinking about that are going to challenge us, help us to grow together. But I want to tell you about a special night that you need to mark on your calendar. It's August 27th. Um, that's in four weeks on the last Sunday of the month. We're going to gather together on Sunday evening. And the way that we're going to close out this series of messages is we're going to have a night where we're going to address a bunch of questions in one night. Because many of them that come forward, we realize we can't take the entire, an entire message to cover it. But you're going to hear from some of our pastors and leaders, and we're just going to tackle a bunch of the questions that have come forward in that time as well. Our goal is we want to get through as many if um, we can possibly get through everything by the end of this month, but if we can't, um, and you don't hear it spoken about either from this uh, platform or from that special night, um, if you've given us your contact information, we will reach out to you, and we will help provide you with tools or with um, some help regarding that question that you've brought forward. Does that sound good, church? All right, so let's jump in. Um, we're going to be going through this, uh, this series, and before that, I just wanted to share something I think will help us as we're, as we're getting ready for this, because I've realized that the questions have some themes to them, and a lot of the questions, you know, and that's what's amazing is as you're praying and looking, there's just these themes that are coming up that many of us are feeling, wondering about, but I believe the answer to that is through us having a biblical worldview, it really comes down to what kind of worldview do you have? And a worldview is just what we say. It's a way of viewing the world. And our worldview is shaped by a lot of different things. So to make this a little clearer, um, no pun intended, I, wanna, I wanted to have some of these glasses here. Um, and I went to the store to buy some that I could put here, and they're like t at least $20 a, a pair for some of those cheaters. So I thought to myself, I want to save uh, the resources of the church, I wonder if there's maybe a pair or two in Lost and Found at the church. Yeah, so this is what I found. Um, <laughs> so I might have your glasses. Uh, after service, you can come to Lost and Found and find them. Um, and so what we get is the way that you're raised, the way that your, your kind of life has been developed, depending on where you grew up, um, what your family life was like, the experiences you had, all of those things, they help form um, a way of seeing the world. What they do is really they create a pair of lenses that you walk around with and you see. And yeah, I can't see you quite as well anymore, but um, it creates this lens. And a lens is focused. All the lenses in this bowl are kind of calculated differently. They're, they're magnified at different proportions. There are certain things that are clearer and more fuzzy based upon how each of them are calibrated. Some of them are tinted in a certain way. Um, there are more sunglasses. And so you'll see all these ways of seeing things that are different. depends on what lens you're wearing. And so when we approach these issues, when we approach life, you have to ask yourself, what lens am I wearing? 
Is it a lens that's been shaped by just these things around me? Is it a lens that's been shaped by the world and the opinions of others? Is it a lens that's been shaped by the news that I'm watching and the social media streams that I'm following or the websites that I'm reading? It all creates the lens in which we interpret everything around us. And it actually really, more than you could ever imagine, shapes the way that you live your life. Do you hear a common theme? This word shaping that we've been talking about, it really is a summer of shaping. And I thought, well, it's really, Pastor Rick, it's really about the relationship. I think you're Pastor Rick. I can't really tell what these, okay, uh, yeah. Um, it's really about the relationships. Man, they really shape us. And then I thought, yeah, it's that plus the habits. The habits that we have, they shape our life. And then it's like, but the way we see things and interpret, that shapes everything. It shapes the way that we live every single day. And so here's what we're going to do through this series of messages. You with me, church? Whatever lens you come in with, the goal is all together. We can just kind of set that aside. And we can come to God's word. And as we open it, we have a new lens. And things will become clearer. These actually are very clear. I don't know if they look good, but they're clear. And then we develop a new way, a lens that's shaped by the word of God, by the things that matter most to the heart of God. And we don't figure, you know, the world's going to shape it this way. There's going to be a hundred lenses, a hundred ways of seeing it. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's what we're about. You with me? That's the goal. So what are we talking about? Well, a lot of things have come up, and the one that, uh, that I thought would be the best to begin with is actually the end. <laughs> Um, so we're going to begin with the end in mind. No pun intended there. No, there was a big pun intended there. But um, that was the goal. There's a lot of questions that you have, and many have, about what's going to happen in the end. What's going to happen in the end times? Are we living in the end times? What is the timing of events in the end times? What about this thing, Jesus is coming back? What's that all about? Uh, people are going to suffer. What's going on? I'm hearing about resurrections. And what is all of that? Maybe you had some questions about that. Some of you are saying, he's talking about my question, because several of you put forward some questions regarding that. That's what we're going to be talking about today, about end times. And I want you to know that as we approach God's word, and open with me quickly to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It's in the New Testament. It's a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to a set of new believers, newer believers in this church that had come together, and they were excited, but they had a lens I want you to know, church, that everyone that we experience and come across in the New Testament, from the time that Jesus ascended into heaven until the close of the New Testament, they all had a lens, a way that they saw everything, the way that they interpreted everything, a way that they lived, a way that they saw and, and, and reflected and reacted. And for them, a key part of that lens, what shaped that most, it was about Jesus, and it was about the fact that he was returning soon, that he is coming back again. The return of Jesus was one of the most powerful things that shaped the way that people thought, lived, reacted, responded. It was about that, that they had seen him rise from the dead and ascend into heaven, and he was coming back again. That's what motivated them. That's what excited them. That's what worried them at times. So they became worried. And we read about this in 1 Thessalonians. Because they fully expected their hope, 
they had hope like we don't even understand, I don't think. They had such a hope that Jesus was going to come, uh, come, come again, just the way he went. And this hope for them wasn't um, the way that I think we think about the word hope. There are really two definitions and two ways to define hope. One of them is wishful thinking. And another way is confident expectation. They didn't have wishful thinking that the Lord was coming back again. They had a confident expectation that he was coming back again, and they would see it with their own eyes. Are you still with me, church? And they were standing in that hope. They were living in that hope. So here's what happens for them. This is like the first, (laughs) some of the first people to experience this. Some of them get to the end of their life, and they start passing away. And they fully expected that Jesus was going to return before any of them died. And so it started to shake the early church, especially this church and this group of believers. What's going on? Like their hope was kind of rocked. Is he, you know, is he coming back? And now like people have died. Like what's going on here? Um, You know, how long is he delaying? Like what's going to happen to them? They've now died. Like we know he's coming for us. And, And so Paul has to address this to this group of believers. And for some of you, maybe you're struggling with those same questions, those same concerns. Like, I, I, I thought my mom knew that Jesus was returning and her funeral was 25 years ago. And that kind of shook my faith a little bit. I'm talking to somebody today. What, what's this all about? How long will he delay? Are we living in the end times or are we not living in the end times? Jesus, what's going on? Let's find some hope in God's word today. 1 Thessalonians 4.13, Brothers, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fell asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, We tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven, and with a loud command, and with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Some of you said, Pastor, I've never seen that passage before. Some of you say, I have seen it. Many of you might say, that doesn't encourage me too much. It kind of confuses me, or it kind of scares me, or, it kind of, you know, I, I, I don't know what to think of this. The goal of it was encouragement. And my prayer has been, and, and, and I've witnessed it in our last service, that however you approach this idea of the Lord's return and the end times, that we're going to leave here today encouraged. Does that sound good, church? We're going to be encouraged by these words and by the word of God today in this place. And so what we're going to look to really accomplish here is understand some of the timing of what's happening in the end, this, the end times and what, um, what is promised around the Lord's return. But this is really a message focused on this very truth 
Jesus is coming back again. Do you know how I know that? Because God's word promises that. Jesus said it himself, but there are also a ton of prophecies about the second return of Christ, about him coming back again. In fact, you could see that if 20%, many believe, of the Bible is prophecy, meaning it's a telling of the future, that at the time it was written, it wasn't known yet. Um, There are several passages of Scripture that talk about Jesus coming, his first coming. So when Jesus showed up 2,000 years ago, there were prophecies that promised long before that that he would come. But I don't know if you know this. Some scholars would say that there are five times as many prophecies about the second coming of Christ, five times more than there was about the first coming of Christ in the Bible. So there is this reinforcement, not just that he came and that he died and that he rose again. Get this, understand this, live in this reality, put on these glasses. The Lord is coming again. The Lord is returning. Some of you are like, I didn't know that. My wife led someone to the Lord when she was a teenager who's one of her best friends, is now in ministry down in South Carolina. She grew up in her church. She was in the youth group. When Mandy witnessed her, she did not know that Jesus was coming back again. She had no idea. It was a part of her transformation in her life and her to surrender her life completely to the Lord. She's like, I had no idea. He's coming back again? Maybe that's where you have been. Something that we don't hear talked about a lot of times, and we want to bring some clarity today around this. We know that Jesus promised it, John 14, 3. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back, and I will take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. Jesus himself said, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'll be back. I'm I'm, I'm not leaving you alone. In Acts chapter 1, when they stood and Jesus ascended into heaven, The messengers, the angels that were there, they promised he's going to return. You won't know the day or the hour. He's coming back. This was such a part of the way that the early church functioned. This was the lens that they saw and interpreted, understood, and lived their lives. It happened so thoroughly that they had a greeting. They had a way that they would connect with one another. Jordan, come on up here real quick. They would see one another from afar, and they would know it's another believer, a brother in Christ. They would come to each other, and they'd say, Jordan, Maranatha, Maranatha. And you say, Maranatha, what is that? You know what that meant? It was a word that said, the Lord is coming. The Lord is returning. That's what they would say. Our Lord is coming. Maranatha, our Lord is coming. And they would greet one another with this. You know why? Because they were in such this expectation. The Lord is returning. So go ahead, Jordan. Let's give it up for him. He did good there. Today, I want us to put on this lens that we'll live our lives with this one word, Maranatha. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. That it would shape the way you live, that it would shape a sense of urgency, that it would wake someone up today, that we would live in the awareness that the people of God have lived in, that the apostles and disciples and those that longed to see the Lord coming again. It was a reality for them. In fact, the Bible says in the New Testament there that there is a reward waiting. There's a crown of righteousness. Paul said it's waiting him. But he said it's also stored up for all those who love to see the Lord's appearing or who long to see the Lord's appearing. There is actually a reward, the Bible talks about, for those who long to see the coming of Jesus again. And if you're honest in your heart and in your life, you have to ask yourself that question, do I long to see the Lord's appearing. 
I do believe in the depths of my heart that for many of us, we won't receive this reward in heaven because we're so in love with our own lives and our own stuff, our own relationships. We don't long to see the Lord's appearing. We long for his delay, maybe, because we're so satisfied in our own stuff. Stuff that if he showed up, wouldn't be a part of our lives anymore. I want you to be encouraged by this today. He's coming, Maranatha, the Lord's returning. Our Lord is coming again. And I want us to find hope in that, a confident expectation in that, that we would begin to greet one another even in that word. And as service set out, I saw people in the foyer greeting one another with that. But there are some things that really we hope in and we see that are going to transpire, and I want to walk you through some of those as we break down this passage in 1 Thessalonians. These are things that are going to happen, and this answers some of the questions around the timing of the Lord's return. The first is this, that we see when the Lord comes at this time, when, when Jesus would return, there's going to be some things that transpire and take place. And the first one is that there's going to be a resurrection. There's going to be the resurrection. And I, and I kind of noted this in my notes, as in if you're writing this down, there's going to be the resurrection part one. <laughs> and what this means is it's going to be the resurrection of those in Christ. Those who are dead or died in Christ will rise. So here's what that means. That Christians who have died will be risen. They'll be resurrected. This is what it says in 1 Thessalonians 4.14. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. So Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And so those that have trusted in the Lord, one of those, if those that have loved the Lord and put their faith in the Lord. We see a, a foreshadowing of, of this in John chapter 11. In Lazarus, it's the same verse, uh, sorry, same words that are used here, fallen asleep, not died. Those who have fallen asleep. This is what Paul says. I don't want you to be ignorant, not about those who have died, but those who have fallen asleep. They're going to wake up again. They're going to be resurrected again. They're going to be lifted up again. And that's what he says about Lazarus in John 11. Lazarus dies and Mary and Martha grieving. Jesus said, this sickness won't end in death. And then he dies. And they said, you said this sickness wouldn't end in death. <laughs> he's like, he's asleep. He's not dead. Rise, Lazarus. <laughs> Raises from the dead. Comes out of the grave. It's a foreshadowing. <laughs> That when we have faith in Christ, that death is really us falling asleep because there's going to be a time that we will rise again. Verse 16 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says, For the Lord himself is going to come down out of heaven with a loud command, with a voice of the archangel, with a trumpet call of God. There will be this sound, and then the dead in Christ will rise first. That's what the Bible says. The dead in Christ will rise first. There is multiple resurrections that will take place, we see, in the end times. And there is this first resurrection. It's the resurrection of those who have put their faith in Christ. But there's also another resurrection that happens later in the book of Revelation of those who have not put their faith in Christ in a judgment that would come. This first one, this resurrection of the dead who are in Christ, they are part of the first resurrection we know so much about this that there's going to be these multiple resurrections that it talks about it in Revelation chapter 20, verse 6. It says this, Blessed and holy are those who have, who have part in the first resurrection. Why? The second death has no power over them. What are you talking about, Pastor? 
there's really two choices that we have in this life. That you can be born once and you can die twice. Or you can be born twice and you can die once. That's the, that's the option that we really have. So when we, when we see this, what does that mean? Well, you we were born once physically. And then you get to the end of your life and you die once physically. But if that has happened, then what happens is in your subject to a second death, a spiritual, eternal death, separation from God, hell, torment. Well, we are going to talk about some of those things later on in the series. Or you could be born once physically, but the Bible says you must be born again. And when you do that, you rise first and the second death has no hold on you. So you can be born twice and die once or be born once and die twice. Jesus makes a difference between that question. Maranatha, the Lord is coming. Jesus is coming. And if you put your faith in him during this life, then you don't have to be worried about a second death because the dead will be raised first that put their faith in Christ. That's first thing. There's the resurrection. You still with me? Second, the rapture. Living Christians are going to be rescued. Christians who are alive will be, say it with me, rescued. That's what's going to happen. And so we see this 1 Thessalonians 4.17. After that, after the resurrection, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up. Say caught up with me. Caught up. Together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. This word here means to seize, to catch, to take away, to safety. You think about someone that um, is a child, and, and I, I talked about my brother in first service, but now I'll think about my son Josiah. We put him on the bed, and we put him on the couch, and on these high places on a changing table. This boy doesn't know anything about um, dimensions or something, because he'll just crawl right off those things. If I don't do something, he'll just plummet down. And he'll just fall. And there have been times where it's been by the tail of his foot, just the bottom of his foot, that I'm catching him and holding him. Caught up. <laughs> just snatch him up um, and make sure he doesn't fall. He doesn't know what he's getting into. He has no idea what's coming. And in that moment, before something bad happens, just snatch him up. You with me? That's what the Lord's going to do. Just going to rapture, rescue, take up in that moment. We're moving. We're going through life. And there's a moment, boom, rescued, raptured, taken up, caught up. And this is what the Lord said would happen. He promised that this would take place. Now, um, there's a question about timing. When is this going to take place? There's all these events. There's some really bad things that seem like they're going to happen, some really difficult things. It's called the tribulation that's going to happen at a time where there's just all kinds of pain, all kinds of things that are taking place, plagues and, and, and terrible things in the world. And it's like, are we going to see that? Or are we not going to see that? Um, Jesus is coming. Is he going to come before that or after that or what? Um, there are different, really, beliefs in many Christians across um, churches uh, who are studying God's word intently, striving to know this and understand this, um, will come up in different places in the timing of this event, the rapture. There are really three schools of thought that there would be a pre-tribulation rapture, meaning that Jesus will come before the great tribulation and all these events would transpire. That Jesus would come somehow in the middle of that, in the midst of that, mid-tribulation. 
or post at the end, the conclusion. And this is how you would, um, really comes back to how you interpret some of Daniel's prophecies and some other parts of Scripture. And so people really kind of go throughout the range. Now, I've heard of a fourth one recently, a pastor was talking about, that there is a pan-trib rapture. And what that means is that I don't really know when, but it's all just going to pan out in the end. Um, uh, so pan-trib. So you can add that one to your theologically uh, theological books if you'd like. Um, if you say, what, what, what do you believe, pastor? What, what do we as a church kind of hold to? And as we study scripture and as we've looked at this, uh, as a church, um, we have leaned into pre-tribulation, that we believe that the Lord is coming, and he's coming before that takes place, before those events would transpire. And part of that is rooted in his grace and in his mercy. I think of the, the Father's heart, that he would just rescue up. He would, that would be the prime time to just pick up out of there. Um, and, and so that's what, that's what we believe. That's what we would stand on. Again, you might find other Christians, believers that love the Lord. Um, the goal of these things is not to become divided or divisive. Uh, everyone's heart and desire is just to know, Lord, when and how. Um, but, but really, the impetus isn't on as much of those projections as it is on our preparations, uh, making sure we're ready. <laughs> Whether it's beginning, middle, end, wherever, like, Lord, I want to be ready. I don't want to be caught off guard by this. And so, Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon. The dead in Christ will rise, and those who are alive in Christ will be raptured and rescued and taken up to be with him. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 24, 39. This um, is what it will be like for the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken, and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, and the other will be left. Jesus said, so what do you do with that? I mean, people, it sounds eerie. It sounds ominous. So you must also be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. There's been a lot of made and a lot of money made, unfortunately, off of people trying to project that date. And I, and I feel like every time someone sets a date, the only thing we know with certainty is that it's the day he's not coming. So if we want to do that, we can just keep marking it off until there's a date that we don't expect. But that's what happens, you know? And it's always well-meaning efforts, um, but I really want you, if, you, if, that, if that's something you, you lean into or if that's something that causes you concern, um, it's not, I, I don't think in specifics, dates, people, those, I think that's where a lot of people get in trouble. But you, you should think in seasons. When you look at all the events, when you look at all the things that are happening, when you feel it, it's almost like my wife was giving birth. We didn't quite know the exact moment on time that it was going to happen, but the closer it was to either of my children coming um, out of the womb, there were these birth pangs that were getting harder and harsher and severe. This is what Jesus said. This is what the Bible says will happen. There'll be a severity of that as we get closer and closer and closer. And so are we living in the end times? Absolutely, we are. But those end times did begin the moment Jesus ascended into heaven. Now, the timing of when will, that, when will that come to its full culmination, it's the same as predicting down to a second when a child would be born, right? There's going to be all these things, but we should be very aware of the signs, very aware of what's going on. But what should it do for us when we are aware of any of that? Make sure you're ready. Jesus said, you're not going to know the time. I don't even expect you to know the day or the hour, but I expect you to be ready when it comes. So be ready in season, out of season. If he's coming when you don't expect it, then be ready when you're least expecting it. Like just be ready, be ready, be ready. That's the goal of it, that we should be ready. Live in that awareness. It says in Revelation chapter 16, verse 15, behold, Jesus says, I come like a thief. 
but blessed is he who stays awake, keeps his clothes with him, so he may not go naked and shamefully exposed. Somebody said, this isn't mixing with the left behind stuff that I saw. Everyone's clothes were folded up neatly when they got raptured. It's not talking about that. Um, it's talking about, are you really prepared? Is everything that should be ready, ready in your heart, in your life, not just in your closet or your wardrobe? Come on, somebody. But is your life ready? Are you ready or are you asleep? And I'm afraid that the church has fallen asleep. I'm afraid that we're asleep. And are we going to be of those that are asleep or those that are ready? And I wonder why, why haven't we talked, why don't we talk about this more often? Why, why don't we hear it, not just in, in one church or another, but in churches across the board? We're not talking about the coming of the Lord like we used to talk about the coming of the Lord, but I know for sure we're not talking about the coming of the Lord like they were talking about the coming of the Lord. And I don't want to be like the church of yesterday or the church of last year or last century. I want to be like the church, the early church. I want to be like the first blue. I want, I want us to mirror that. They lived in an awareness. The lens was on. Maranatha, he's coming. I can see he's coming. He's coming. He's coming again. So why is that happening? Why aren't we talking about it enough? Partially because I think the work of the enemy, he's distracting us. It's because sometimes we're so in love with ourselves and we made it all about us. Our eyes aren't on him like they used to be. Because we might be branded an escapist that, well, I don't care about this life. I'm just waiting for Jesus to come back. And we ask it's not about that. But I think for many, it's because there have been many that have come and many that have said and projected and then people waited and it didn't happen and then they're disappointed and then they come back again and they wait and it doesn't happen. And I liken it to when I was a child. Can I just be real with you for a moment, church? When I was a kid, there has been, God's done a lot in the relationships in my life, but one painful series of things that happened and really caused strain between myself and my father happened when I was younger and my, my, my brother was a lot younger. My parents were divorced when, when uh, we were very young. And my dad would have us for some weekends. And he would make a call and we'd make great plans. And he would say, I'm picking you up on Friday at this time. Be ready. And I'd have my bags packed and I'd be sitting there and we'd be by the door waiting. And then that time would come and 20 minutes later, we'd go, hey, I'm running just a little bit late. I'll, 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 you know, I'll be there soon. Don't worry. You know, okay, so we, we'd wait a little longer. We'd wait. Hours would go by. We'd get to the end of the night. And you know what? We're just going to maybe have to push this to next weekend. And so that happens, and that kind of hurts. As a child, you're long, you all this expectation. But when that happens over and over again, hey, I'm coming Friday night. It's like, great, I'll start packing when you pull up. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and be made a fool. And my mom would get frustrated. My brother, you know, it, it caused a lot of tensions. Why? Because this, this promise, this expectation felt like wasn't delivered. And I was ready and you didn't come through. Some of us, I think, we, we start to feel like God is like a father like that. Like, I was ready and you failed me. And I want you to know any delay that the Lord has, it's really because of his grace and his mercy and his patience. He's not a father like our father. He's not, he's not, that. He's not there to play with us or, or, or put us in that position because he's so busy doing something else. That he, no, it, you know why the Bible says? Because the Lord is long in his patience. He's desiring for everyone to come to Jesus. He said that the gospel we preach to the ends of the earth and then the end will come. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. And you say it's been 2,000 years or maybe two days. Come on, right? 
And so this is, this is what we have to understand, but, but they're ready. Be ready. Have this. Don't let those disappointments or any of that stuff get your eyes off of the fact, Maranatha, he's coming again. Our Lord is coming. Put the glasses back on. See it this way. So we see that there's going to be a resurrection. We see that there's going to be a rapture. And finally, that there's going to be a reunion. I'll invite the worship team to come up now. Christians will be with God forever. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17 and 18. After that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This reunion, if I could be honest with you, church, I, I, I was going over my message last night and I got to this part. And something came over me when I thought about this, and I, and I was really in the middle of, of talking about what I'm about to talk about, that I just, I completely lost myself. And I began to weep, but, but I began to weep in such a way that I haven't wept in a long time because I, I kept trying to get back into my notes and I, and I couldn't hold my composure. And I was just by myself. And there's a reason why, because I think the weight of what we're really talking about here is so important. Something I think we miss. What does it mean to encourage one another with these words? I think I was talking to Josh in the last service. He was in Team Uganda. Where's Corey at? You've been there twice. When you go into these places where these mamas have lost their children, where they've gone through horrific things, where their children have diseases that that we have seen nothing like that, that, are, that their quality of life and what's been pulled from them, what's been robbed from them, it's just, it's, it, it seems so hopeless. And there are some amazing testimonies, but there's also so much need we'll see on the mission field. When we come together tonight, and many will be here, and we're going to hear about the atrocities of, of human trafficking and these women who have been rescued, but the abuse and the mental toll it's taken and the things that have happened, it, you see so much pain. When I see people that I love in my family who have, who have undergone afflictions, disease, who have become debilitated in some way, who have something going on that we just want them to be relieved from. I, I think of that. And we think, where will we find our peace? Where will we find our hope? And for some, it's I either need to be healed, Lord Jesus, of this, or it's I'm carrying it until I die. And what the Lord impressed in my heart is Maranatha. The Lord is coming again. And when he comes, he's lifting you up out of that place. When he comes, he's restoring all that pain. When he comes, he's changing you and healing you and working in you. And it can happen today. Maranatha, the Lord is coming to take the hand of a small child who's been through something, an atrocity, a pain. I know what you've been through. I can't imagine the pain you're feeling, but our Lord is coming. And when he comes, he's going to wipe away every tear. And you're not going to feel the abuse and the things that you've been through. For some of you, you're struggling with that addiction and you're waiting and you're struggling. You're, Maranatha, the Lord is coming and every chain will be broken for good. There will no longer be anything to hold you back and hold you down. Maranatha, the Lord is coming. Church, we live in the awareness of the return of the Lord as he's coming. And it says we will be transformed when he comes. First Corinthians chapter 15, he says, listen, I'm going to tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, in the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we will be changed. 
and the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. And then the true saying will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Hallelujah. Maranatha, the Lord is coming again. Our King is returning to wipe away every tear, to heal every affliction, to restore every broken place. He's coming. But the question is, are you ready? Are you ready? Would you stand with me in this house right now? To encourage yourself, encourage one another with these words. Turn to that person that you love that's suffering. You prayed for their healing and Maybe you've just thought maybe their only peace will not be in death. No, Maranatha, the Lord is coming. And he'll lift you up out of this place. For those of you that have been living and have loved the world and loved your old life and loved even sin, let's call it for what it is, more than longing to see his return, Maranatha, he's coming, be ready. Cast off anything that would hold you back from him. Fix your eyes on him anew. Renew and refresh your commitment to him today because Maranatha is coming. Don't be caught unexpected and shamefully exposed, the Bible says. Maranatha, he's coming. For us today to live in this confidence. Oh yeah, he's returning. I'm ready. I'm expecting it. Expecting him to show up. Times are getting closer. I'm ready and I'm longing. But I'm not just going alone. I'm going to tell everyone I can the good news that Maranatha, he's coming. And there's hope for them as well. It should motivate us to be a witness everywhere we go. It should motivate you that the time is drawing near and to lead as many people to Christ as possible. Don't get into some bunker somewhere and hide away and look in your Bible and try to get your life right. Don't do that. It's not the heart of a witness of a disciple. It's for you to go and bring as many people with you as possible. Maranatha, the Lord is coming. The time is close. We can't wait. He's not necessarily delaying. Maranatha. So, Lord Jesus, we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. In Revelation chapter 20, 2 verse 20, it says this, he who testifies to these things, this is Jesus saying, he says, yes, I am coming soon, and we say, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, we ask you to come today, Lord God to meet us. We long, we hunger, we thirst, we long to see your returning again. Help it to shape our lives. Help it to shape the way we live today, how we share your love with others, Lord God, how we pursue you with everything that we have. Today, I want to pray for you today. There's somebody in the room you're not ready because you have never surrendered your life to Jesus. Time is of the essence. In this message, in this service, and before he comes, today's the day. Do not delay. I'm going to pray with you right now. And if that's you, surrender your life to him completely. Lift your hands to him right now in this moment. This is a moment between you and the Lord himself. Confess your sins to him and receive his grace and his mercy. Follow him now for the rest of your life. Repeat this prayer with me if that's you. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. They've separated me from you but I believe that you came and that you died and that you rose again. And today I commit my life fully to you, that I'll walk with you, that I'll love you, 
that I'll experience your grace and mercy in my life until you come again. I commit myself to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord Jesus, come now and just take up new life inside of them. Transform them and change them, Lord God. Help them to walk with you and may they experience the incredible grace of you that, Lord God, they are now born again. Born twice, so they would only die once. So, Lord God, help them to be rooted in that place. In Jesus' name, amen. Did anyone say that prayer for the first time today? Would you just confidently, we're all going to be looking around. We want to celebrate with you. Did anyone today, lift your hand above your head high if you said that prayer for the first time today. That's you. Come on, right here. Praise the Lord. Come on, church. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You can have confidence today because the Lord's coming and you're with him. You see me? You can have confidence. You can have confidence. Maranatha Church, the Lord is coming. We're going to be ready. Let's encourage one another with those words today. Let's just spend time worshiping the Lord as you go. Tell someone, Maranatha, if you accepted Jesus today, you lifted your hand. Don't leave here without connecting with one of our pastors. Pastor Ron's around here somewhere. One of our people, we'd love to give you a free gift and help you take those next steps. God bless you, church. We're in for a great series of messages. Don't miss any of these weeks because God's got something great in store for us. Amen. May God bless you, Maranatha. Our Lord is coming. See you soon. We hope you have been challenged and blessed by this message. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com.